Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. I am Matt Povey, joined as always by Bill Sideline reporter and beat reporter for WGR 550, Sal Capaccio. We all hope that you are enjoying your summer up to this point. Hopefully you've gotten some time to relax, just go outside, enjoy the sun, hopefully not sweat too much. Sal, summer's tricky for me. Like I very much enjoy summer, but I also very much think that fall is the best season of the year. (laughs) It falls the best season probably because all the great things that come along with it, football, hockey, everything's starting up. You have playoffs in different sports and base baseball. It is great weather, by the way. I think that fall yeah. in Western New York is unbelievable. But man, I enjoy my good hot summer days and playing golf and hanging out. And I, I enjoy that very much here in Buffalo because I know, okay, I only have a few months of this before it's going to turn. That's a good point. I think my argument for fall is that I am the most comfortable anytime that I can have some sort of long sleeve clothing on while also still wearing shorts. Like I love when I can wear a hoodie and shorts. I love when I could wear like a quarter zip on the golf course. 100% still comfortable. I very much and I understand that there are a lot of bad days that come in the fall in the very few elite days mixed in are few and far between. But I think those days, the best of the best fall days, I think are more enjoyable than the best summer days. And I under like, I get it. People are going to get mad at me. That's just my take Sal. No, I understand though where you're coming from. I will tell you I'm with you on like my favorite thing to wear is a thin long sleeve. Yep. I like thin long sleeves, whether it's a hoodie on it or not. Usually with a hoodie, it's great, but a thin long sleeve is perfect for me. I am guessing I could be completely wrong, but I am guessing a lot of the offensive linemen on the bills probably enjoy the weather in the fall more than they like the weather in the summer because Mm. they don't sweat as much. And when you're in the trenches and you're getting at it, it's getting pretty sticky down there. So as this is the really intentional and obvious segue into our next position group as we break down the Bills roster from top to bottom. This week, we're starting with the offensive line. And for the last couple of years, the offensive line has been like a roller coaster ride. At times, it's been great. There's been some really, really good highs for the Bills. But then there's also been a couple really big lows and just massive drop-offs mixed in. And this year, it's all about consistency and trying to be more cohesive as a unit. Last year, there were some tangibles that came into play. There were injuries on the offensive line. There were people out because of COVID reasons. There was a lot of stuff that happened. This year, I think the Bills are just hoping that they can find a consistent rotation of five guys 
maybe a couple dudes sprinkled in here or there to fill in. But I think they would just really be happy if they went with their five guys, they were successful, they were consistent, and they ultimately protected Josh Allen. So, Sal, as we get into it, how do you just view the group as a whole? Is there any big storylines that you're following as we head into camp here? Yeah, I think the storylines are what you said beyond the beyond the starting five, because I think that's pretty entrenched what we can think of. Now, maybe, just maybe, you know, uh, Ryan Bates isn't a starter, but I think at this point he probably is going to be just based on the contract they gave him to match and the fact of how he played last year at the end of the year. So you get Deion Dawkins and you get, of course, uh, Spencer Brown on the right side. It's Deion, Deion on the left side at tackle. Mitch Morse in the center at center. And then Roger Saffold, I think, and Ryan Bates. Beyond that, I think maybe one of the biggest storylines of this entire camp is Cody Ford mm-hmm. and what his career is and where he winds up. I don't think he's on this team, Matt, to be quite honest with you. I think that Cody Ford will be on the team just because he's a cheap body and I don't want to cheapen Cody Ford or anything like that. Great athlete, exceptional college career has not lived up to the expectations, but I think given the contract and given where they drafted him, they'll probably still keep him just because of familiarity with the system. I don't think they ever want to find themselves in a position where they need to start him. And I know that's kind of counterintuitive. Like that's what you would want out of a backup, just the ability to feel trustworthy with that person if they were called upon to start. But I think that he'll probably make the team. And one person that I do want to specifically bring up is Roger Saffold. Like that was a really interesting addition from the Bills. That was not one that I saw coming as we were heading into this offseason. I just kind of assumed that Ryan Bates would be the guy who started at left guard and they would go out and ultimately try and find somebody to play right guard. I didn't know if it would maybe be Feliciano, if it would maybe be Daryl Williams and he would stay there. Like I didn't know what this team was going to do. They went out and signed somebody who has made the Pro Bowl, and they're putting him next to the Bills' best offensive lineman with Deion Dawkins. You know, I was listening to an interview with Taylor Lewan, the Bussin' with the Boys podcast, and they had Eric Wood on, and then they also had Josh Allen on, and they were talking about the Bills and the Bills' offensive line. And one of the things that got brought up was Saffold, and he was like, he's one of the freakiest athletes that I've ever been with. And I think that's probably what the Bills are looking for because that's a very clear kind of similar trait that all of the guys that they have right now have. It's just kind of freaky athleticism. So I'm very interested to see how he fits and how he's utilized because there's also a new offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer comes into play. Yeah. And as you're talking about storylines, I'm thinking, Oh, I guess one of them should be Aaron Cromer. It's funny. We've talked so much about Ken Dorsey and you know him and then Joe Brady. But Aaron Cromer, too, right? Aaron Cromer is a, a brand new face, not to this organization. He was here under Rex Ryan, but of course, to Sean McDermott's regime. And I will tell you, he is very, very well regarded. He's very well respected around the league. And going back to Cody Ford, the one thing that I would maybe give out hope for Cody Ford to maybe turn his career around is Aaron Cromer. I think Aaron Cromer could be someone that could reignite that in Cody Ford. I love the fact that you think he's going to be on the team, Ford, that is. I say he's not going to be on the team. And we've had a couple of debates as we've gone through this state of the bills. One of the reasons why I say he's not going to be is just this guy you're talking about, Roger Saffold. To me, you know, this was clear. Roger Saffold, we need, we need an upgrade. We need a starter at guard. Then they match the contract for, for Ryan Bates. 
at guard, I think it all has been signaled from a while that coat for a while that Cody Ford is not going to be here. And that's because they did go out and make sure they got a guy as good as Roger Saffold to make sure they can put right there. And let's not forget. They do have Ike Butker on the team who's mm-hmm. recovering from the Achilles injury. My expectation, he's going to be on the pup list. He'll probably miss what six games or whatever, however that's going to shake out. But at some point he can be also become another replacement. So I think that that third and fourth, if you will, guard spot after the first two is super interesting to me. So I think that when he is ready to go, whenever that happens to be, Ike Butker is probably their next guy up, whether that would be at guard or maybe at center, unless they moved like Bates over and then put him at guard. They like position flexibility. That is something that they truly value. I would also say of the depth guys, Tommy Doyle is probably a lock to make the team. But then after that, I feel like you've just kind of got all of these guys who you can put in one big group and you're like, well, it's going to all just come down to camp. It's going to come down to what does that guy do that nobody else on the line does? And it'll also depend on how many guys they keep. I mean, Sal, what are we thinking? Nine or 10? Is that probably what we're thinking of how many offensive linemen they keep? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they can dress eight and by dressing eight, you trigger that extra active person. So they're going to dress eight every week. So, you know, it's at least that. And I would think nine, maybe 10, but because of the position flexibility, sometimes they don't need to keep that extra guy because they have guys who can play different spots. You don't have to have and pigeonhole them as, well, we need an extra tackle and we need an extra guard. Maybe you can give a guy that can do both of them. So it's going to be really interesting. Now you bring up Tommy Doyle. I agree with you. I think he's on the team, but I think David Questenberry might be ahead of him. David uh-huh. Questenberry's put time in this league. David Questenberry has started 17 games. One thing that stands out to me about the backups, if you will, on the offensive line is the amount of experience they have. David Questenberry, Greg Manns, and Greg Van Roten have all like legitimately started a lot of games in this league. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And I think those guys might even in this, in this year where it's Super Bowl or bust, let's be honest, I think those guys might even surpass guys like Tommy Doyle on the roster who, yeah, we like you. We've invested in you. We have a draft pick. You've been here, but right now it's about go. It's a, it's go time right now. Questenberry is an interesting one because I remember when they added him, a lot of people were speaking highly of how he just graded out as a player. And we're saying that he is just like your prototypical extra guy who absolutely can play when called upon. So Just from that standpoint, I feel like he's got a great shot of at least making this team. But uh, I'm just really curious what they do with, because all of these guys we're talking about are kind of on the inside. Like, what do they do if one of their tackles goes down? That's when I think they really will be in a bind. And it's not, I I don't know. I don't don't know if Tommy Doyle is ready to play meaningful downs for the Buffalo Bills. I, I just don't think we're at that point yet. Right. Greg Manns can play inside. Questenberry can play outside. He did start at tackle last year. So I think he's your, maybe a guy that can step right up into that. But don't forget a guy like Luke Tenuta, who they drafted now. Oh, I might, forgot about him. Yeah, you know, that's a now, good but here's the other here's the other thing about him, though. He might be a little raw. He's super big. Like you put him and Spencer Brown next to each other. It's crazy, right? They look like mm-hmm. the Twin Towers should be playing in the NBA. Um, but Tenuta... He might be a candidate here if he can have a really good camp. He probably screams more practice squad than anything else. But this is a group, Greg Van Roten, like you just said, inside guy, right? He's a guard. He started uh-huh. guard. When the Bills signed him, Chets fans are like, ha ha, enjoy him. He stinks. Well, guess what? Different situations. He's, different like, the eighth, he's like the eighth lineman here. Yeah. And Maybe not only not. that, 
you, you maybe you're a better in a different spot than somewhere else, right? Like when a guy like Brian Winters comes to Buffalo and he actually wound up playing, you know, more than, um, you know, what people thought he would in the same situation. So this is a really interesting group. Um, I think it comes down to, again, what you're going to do with a guy like at the end and of last year of his deal, Cody Ford, what you're going to do with a guy like Tommy Doyle in a different situation, you invested in him. These are kind of the tweeners who I'm really not too sure on. I'm pretty sure Questenberry makes it. And at this point, I'm pretty sure Greg Manns makes it. I don't think maybe Van Roten, maybe he could be an odd man out. And then it might come down to a guy like him and Cody Ford and obviously the Ike Bucker situation where he won't count on the 53 early in the season. As a whole, how do you feel about the offensive line going into this year, maybe compared to last year? Um, I don't know if I'm as confident in the starting five, although it actually could be better because I last year with Daryl Williams and with John Feliciano, you're like, oh, the years that those guys had. Remember the years they both had the year before yeah. mm-hmm. and they got re-signed. And I think that made you go, okay, yeah, these, these, this is going to be great. Then they kind of took a step back. I don't know if I have that same level of comfort right now as I sit here in the offseason, but I also am going to leave a lot of space, Matt, to say that could be a lot better, actually, than it was last year. I tend to agree. I think going into this season, we have the hindsight of knowing what happened last year. Yes. But I think at this time last year, I probably was more confident in the group as a whole just because Daryl Williams and John Feliciano both earned, like they actually earned the contracts yep. that they got because they had very strong 2020s. I- I'm a little curious about. Ryan Bates, Rick Bates, just the sample size being what it is. I think that he's a good player. I think that he's a lock to make the team, but he is switching spots. He's going from left to right guard. He is going to play a bunch of games for this team. He's probably going to start for this team for every game as long as he's healthy. That's a big adjustment, and I'm just curious how much juice Saffold has left in him. I think Spencer Brown had flashes last year of being like that guy. But still, there were some rookie mistakes. It's like, okay, what can that guy do? When Deion Dawkins was healthy last year, he was unbelievable. But he also had COVID twice. So there were times when he was playing and he wasn't fully healthy. And I think it was pretty obvious when that was. And Mitch Morris is like Mr. Steady in the middle. I don't really have a ton of questions about Mitch Morris. I think he is what he is. And I think with another really good offensive line coach like Cromer, he's probably going to thrive. So I don't really have questions about the left side, the center, or the right tackle side. I do have a little bit of a question inside, though, which isn't that much different, I guess, than what we've had the last couple of years. I like the start. I I, I have a couple of questions about the starting five compared to last year at this time, but I think they could be a lot better. I don't have questions about the backups. I think they have a better backup unit. The Bills, who was it? Ross Tucker actually tweeted out when the Bills signed Greg Van Roten. He tweeted out the Bills might actually have a better second group of five than some teams starting offensive line. (laughs) Now, I don't know about that, but I do do think it says something that a former offensive lineman recognizes that and says that. And I do think it means the Bills do have very good depth along their offensive line. So if they have a guy or two go down, I think that, you know, they're probably in pretty good hands with the guys they can bring in. Now, there are a few guys in the very back end. I'm going to bring up a name, Bobby Hart. Bills fans love to bang on Bobby Hart. No, I get it. But I'll tell you, Brandon Bean, make sure he said to me last year, hey, the guy was playing out of position in preseason. You know, he, it wasn't his best because we were we had to move him around a little bit. They did actually bring him back for a reason. Don't be surprised if Bobby Hart's on this practice squad again. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's on the practice squad obviously can wind up being elevated up to the um, to the uh, active roster. So I don't expect him to. Jacob Capra is a name that he actually did get elevated last year to a game, and that's 
that tells me, Matt, I look at Jacob Capper and I'm like, I can't see him being elevated. I can't see him on the team. And that's why I say this depth has to be better because I can't see a guy like that actually getting a shot. And that's going to be my closing thought with the offensive line. Yes, there are some questions with the starting five, but I don't think they're like, oh my goodness, is this going to hold up? It's like, how good can they be? That's the question. And I will say I could make the argument that having depth at the offensive line might be the most important position to have depth on because it feels like every single year somebody gets hurt or a couple guys get hurt. And then once you start to play that musical chairs, that's when things can get really ugly. And we saw that last year. We've seen that a couple times with this organization. So I think there are some questions. I don't think they're like burning questions of, oh no, this could hold the bills back. But I do think it's something to consider because the expectations with the team are so high. Obviously the margin for error is so small when we're talking about a team that we think could win the Super Bowl. If you go to my Twitter feed at Sal Sports, my pinned tweet is the Bills roster 17 offensive linemen. We've just talked about 14 of them. They do have other names like Derek Kerstetter, Alec Anderson, and Tanner Owen. None of them. I don't think any of us are expecting to make the team, but we just want to make sure you know that these are the offensive linemen competing for spots once training camp opens. That's the O-line. A lot of them. Matt, let's talk specialists on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.